everybody. Welcome to I Don't Care with me, Kevin Stevenson on Market Scale Radio. Uh, you know, we do this little podcast, video cast uh, pretty often, and uh, we're always excited about, about healthcare leaders coming on board uh, to talk to us about whatever aspect of, of the industry they're a part of. And uh, today I'm joined by Paul Sharosh, who's the founder and CEO of AccuReg. And AccuReg helps hospitals and health systems integrate patient engagement, intake, and access to enable increased uh, net revenue. So as many of our listeners know too well, prior authorization, you know, I had to say that word, uh, creates barriers to care and it restricts spending by health insurers. And, and studies show more services are subjected to prior auth every single year. Recently, the American Hospital Association claimed that the main purpose of prior auth was really to restrict access and inappropriately withhold reimbursement instead of following evidence-based medicine. And I'm sure many of you who struggle with, with prior auth might agree with that. So Paul contends that this process should be automated and that generally insurers refuse which adversely impacts patient care and workforce productivity for hospitals. And don't you know, all of us are talking about that all the time right now. So, you know, since insurers are unlikely to adopt full automation anytime soon, the problem may be, may seem unsolvable, but Paul spent years helping hospitals navigate prior auth hurdles. And he says, even without cooperation from insurers, a set of best practices can help automate some of the prior auth process to save time and labor and, and make sure that we optimize revenue cycle outcomes. So all of that, hey, Paul, welcome to I Don't Care. Hey, thank you for having me. Man, really glad to have you on. This is a topic that's uh, near and dear to a lot of our hearts. And, and as we were saying before we went on air, you know, I was on the dark side for a little while and uh, glad to be back to the light. And, and so let's, <laughs> let's just jump right into this whole prior auth issue. So talk a little bit about you know, how prior authorization really does affect healthcare delivery? Well, obviously, it, uh, it prevents care from happening. Um, but I think the more uh, egregious impact is, um, is unpaid bills, denials, mm -hmm. right? So every hospital deals with denials, and prior auth is always one of the top two or three reasons for denial across mm -hmm. the board. Uh, some payers more than others, uh, depending on how many requirements they have. And um, you know the the sad thing about it is is that most procedures really could be cleared if the hospital had the staff and the the ability. You know it's a very difficult, laborious, manual process mm -hmm. to get an authorization, and the payers know that, and they like that. Yeah. Right? So um, you know you could throw a hundred people at that one problem, and it, it's a pretty expensive, you know, labor intensive. Uh, process that that's very expensive. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it 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 can uh, result in in patients not getting the care they need. But more often, procedures are provided and then they're denied. Yeah, and the patient gets the bill, a surprise bill, mm -hmm. right? We talk a lot about No Surprises Act, but that's a that's a surprise bill that uh, that you know the NSA didn't address, which is patients getting bills for, uh, and I should say, insured patients that were scheduled for procedures, came in, got a procedure, hospital provided it, they paid their doctor, they paid the nurses, paid the light bill, uh, mm -hmm. and then they don't get paid at all. So the hospital's actually not getting zero, they're getting below zero. Yeah, that's right. That happens. Yeah. They're, they're spending their own resources to provide care that a doctor ordered for that patient, and they get below zero. Mm -hmm. 
is, is the net result. And so, uh, and, and then what's even worse is that oftentimes the patients end up with the bill, right? So, so yeah. nothing good comes out of that process, especially when a lot of those procedures could be approved by the payer in advance if it were an easier, more automate, automated, modern process. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we certainly see all that too. And the other thing too is just just the delays in care the patients experience. You know, there's I, I've lost count of the number of times throughout my career we've had to delay uh, surgeries or procedures because the you know the prior authorization just hasn't come through yet. Right. And that's, that's a, you know that's, that's adverse point. for the patients for sure. So you say that it could be easily automated. Why hasn't it happened? Well, you know. Uh, <laughs> For over a decade, the 278 standard has been uh, part of the, uh, the the landscape, just like a lot of other electronic transactions. And the 278 is is you know the um, electronic authorization transaction between provider mm-hmm. and payer. Um, but very very few payers have adopted that, and and that's the problem. That's the heart of the problem. I think the simple solution, and um, you know, so when anybody in the government asks for advice on what they can do to help solve the prior auth problem, I say automation. Yeah, that's, you know, and enforce an existing standard. You don't even have to create it from scratch. Right. Yeah. It's just that the payers have never been held accountable to use it, never been enforced or, or forced to use that 278 standard. So what they use is fax machines, phone calls, emails and mm-hmm. web portals. Right. And even the web portals, although that's a little bit better than fax machines and phone calls, it's still very difficult to to manage. And if you've ever worked in a, in a team that deals with authorizations and they're working in, you know, 10 or 15, 20 websites, you know, mm-hmm. every payer has their own. Yeah. And even the aggregating aggregated websites are still difficult. But, you know, just managing the credentials to log in and, and navigate and uh, you know, meet all the, the the requirements of every procedure from every payer, and they're all different, and they change throughout the year. So it's it's an impossible task, really. And uh, so, you know, the payers really, uh, I think, are going to have to be pushed a little bit by the government mm-hmm. to institute and adopt that 278 standard. And again, you know, what's what's interesting, Kevin, is we're not even asking the payers to reduce their requirements. Mm-hmm. We're just saying make them electronic. Right, right. Make them electronic. You know, yeah. if, you, if you're going to argue that your uh, prior auth requirements are based on, on um, you know, evidence-based medicine, mm-hmm. then great. Just then make follow it that. Yeah. Right? So that's what we're talking about. Because like you say, a lot of the delays in care, a lot of the denials, most of them are really because it's so difficult. It's so manual. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... The opportunity, I think, for both payers and providers is both to, to go electronic fully uh, with the 278 standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from that, um, you know, what we have to do as, as providers is build web bots that use RPA, right, um, robotic process automation, yeah. to basically pull the data out of those portals so that you don't need a human to stand there and continue to do the same repetitive tasks all day, putting data in, pulling data out, putting data back in until it finally, you finally get the authorization. Uh, but that's the way it works right now. So we've got teams and teams of you know, thousands and thousands of people around the country at every health system dedicated to doing that arduous task. And it's very expensive and it's laborious. And you know, the studies have shown they can do about 18 or 20 authorizations per person per day, mm-hmm. which is not a whole lot. When you right. automate it, 
you can double that to 40 or 50 authorizations processed per person per day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I know back in, back in my old days uh, of working with physician clinics, my gosh, they, they probably had, you know, a larger clinic would have two, three, four FTEs dedicated to just try to That's right. build a prior authorization. And, and yeah. so, you know, we've all talked about the great resignation and that's such a, a huge issue for all of us. I just went to the Texas Hospital Association conference and the entire conference was dedicated to workforce. And, right. and, and one of the big issues was, you know, why aren't we automating what we can? And, right. and if, if we can do that, you know, that will help us tremendously. It won't solve the problem, but it certainly helps. So, so you know, so, so we've talked about how, how payers really don't want to cooperate, but there's still ways that we can automate without their cooperation. And, and, and you've broken down the, the prior auth process into, into five steps. But let's talk about those and how can they be automated? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. So we, we see a, a sort of a best practice approach to this very complex process. Mm -hmm. uh, if you break it down into five core steps and they're sequential, one has to happen before two, two has to happen before three, et cetera. And mm -hmm. that's what people don't understand. Sometimes you'll have vendors come up with, with one part of it or two parts of it, but they don't really put the end to end whole, you know, five steps process. So Step one is identity and demographic validation. You've got to make sure that Kevin Stevenson is really Kevin Stevenson. Yeah. You've got to make sure his address is right. You've got to make sure his date of birth is right. There's so many demographic elements that can stop you from getting paid for a whole host of reasons. So that's the first step. You've got to make sure the patient is who they say they are and that all that demographic data is accurate. The second step, once you do the first one, is to check Kevin's insurance. You know, yeah. does Kevin have coverage? Is he active? But not, uh, not only is it, you know, insurance verification coverage, but it's benefit validation, right? It's mm -hmm. a second level, a second question to look in the 278 file from the payer and determine if you've got coverage for that procedure on that day, right? So, and then you've got to go a little deeper and, and, and ask some, the technology can do this a lot better than a human. Uh, are there any benefit limitations to Kevin's procedure? Can he only have one a year? Mm -hmm. Does he have a COB issue? coordination of benefits where it's mm -hmm. not, it appears to be Blue Cross, but it's not. It's a different payer, right? He's got two payers, right? It could be a whole host of things. Mm -hmm. In California, they've got plans within plans within plans. They call them dofers, right? right? Every state's different. Every payer contract is different. And so you really have to load a lot of contract rules in at a local level for each hospital to be able to, to do that second step, which is eligibility and benefit verification. Once you do step two, and you can check that off and say, okay, now we know we've got coverage, now we know we've got benefits, then you go to the third step, which is asking the question of the data, does this procedure for that payer, for this patient on this date require a prior auth or not? It's a yes, no question. It seems pretty simple, but it's really complicated. So the way that you do that is you keep a local set of authorization rules maintained for that hospital, for every payer, for every procedure. Mm -hmm. That's how you do it. Uh, so when a, um, a patient's coming into the hospital and scheduled for, for a procedure, you do step one, you do step two, and only then you run it against the authorization rules engine. Sure. And it determines yes or no. So let's say that, you know, 30% are yeses, 70% are noes. 
Mm -hmm. Well, that right there allows you to take the 70% out of the workflow, right? You just saved yeah. your staff a bunch of time and a bunch of money, uh, a bunch of headaches to say, okay, nothing to see here, folks. Go ahead and do the procedure. There's no prior author required, mm -hmm. right? The 30% that are left then move into what we call the submission management platform because that's the fourth step is to submit the request to the payer. And you don't want to do that until you've determined in advance that one's required. And you don't exactly. want to do that until going backward that you make sure that the patient is who they say they are and that they have the insurance and they have benefits and so forth. Because if you, if you jump ahead, you're going to get denied for a whole bunch of different reasons, right? And you're going to waste a lot of time and money mm -hmm. in terms of a revenue cycle process. So, so fourth, the submission uh, step is, is critical. And that's the one that's so difficult and it takes teams and hordes of people to manage those websites, to manage those fax machines, those phone calls, emails to, uh, you know, to communicate with the payer, to, to find out what does the payer require? Do they have clinical documents that they require for that procedure? Uh, do they have uh, clinical questionnaires that I have to answer? And um, all of that can be automated. I, mm -hmm. And I should say, most of submission can be automated, not all of it. You can take submission and break it down into different subcategories of accounts that sort of auto auth is what we call it, where mm -hmm. you just submit it and you're gonna get an auth, right? And we can predictively determine which accounts are like that, right? And depends on the payer and depends on the procedure. Um, and then you can determine the subset of accounts that actually require some clinical documentation. And you can predictively let a user know, you know, a, an, auth, an authorization agent, if you will, at your hospital, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what exactly is required. This one requires an HMP, that one requires a chest X-ray, sure. right, et cetera and then instruct them how to, and then facilitate their ability to, to upload those documents to that, uh, to that web portal. The other thing about the submission uh, management process is you don't wanna deal with 14 different payer portals. You wanna yeah. deal with one. So what we try to do is build all that into one submission portal. It makes it a whole lot easier for the, mm -hmm. for the user to deal with those exceptions where they have to, to upload documents and have to do additional steps to get the approval. So submission is fourth. The fifth one is once you've submitted a request and all the, you've checked all the boxes of everything the payer requires for that procedure, then it's a matter of retrieving the authorization and the status, Sure. right? And uh, usually that's a very manual process. You don't know if that's gonna take you know, two hours or two weeks. So right. you're just sitting there waiting, check again, check again. It's like the kids in the backseat on the way to vacation. When are we gonna get yeah. there? You know, are we there yet? Uh, yeah. So. So we, we pay a lot of people a lot of money to just sit there and just keep hitting those portals and keep making those phone calls, uh, doing the best they can. Again, arduous, difficult, manual process mm -hmm. that can be fully automated. So the retrieval step can be 100% automatic uh, through RPA. Yeah, you would think so, because if you've done everything else before that, and you've submitted everything, you've checked all the boxes, why should it take that long to, to re retrieve the, the auth or at least, you know, be updated on status. Right. I, I've never understood that when you've done everything right, why does it take so long to say yes? I know the yeah. answer, go ahead and tell us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they are uh, looking at it from a you know medical perspective and they might bring their, their MDs in to take a look at it. And, you know, hey, Joe, come over here. I don't, I'm not sure about this one, right? So, mm -hmm. it, and, and it can take a little more time for, for especially the, the higher dollar procedures. They're gonna look at those a lot closer right. for obvious reasons. Um, especially if it's a physician that's, uh, that's been, you know, flagged as an overutilizer, mm -hmm. right? 
Um, but to your point, uh, I think the government, if they step in, uh, that's the second thing. If they ask me, you know, <laughs> yeah. I would tell them, look, you need, we need some strict limits on the timing for, uh, you know, you sp split it up between urgent procedures and non-urgent, right? Mm -hmm. But urgent procedures, give them, you know, you got to resolve it in 48 hours, right? Non-urgent, yeah. we'll give you a week, five days, right? But, but set some limits. And if they don't meet the limits, then they got to pay the claim. Mm -hmm. yeah you know, i mean that makes tremendous sense you know uh yeah there's there's got to be a, a a deadline to to make sure that you you have time to make your decision right. so i mean okay. we, we've got timely filing you know rules mm -hmm. right for payers if they don't pay within a certain amount of time then you got to yeah. pay the bill right if they don't yeah. you know, push back a reason and so that you can re rebuild the claim um so the same thing needs to happen there and when we pull back that data, hopefully it's an authorization number, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a denial, right? They'll say, look, we're not going to authorize that. Well, the hospital needs to know it either way. So we, we bring that back automatically. And then the best uh, model is where you push that data, that authorization status, hopefully a number, back into the patient account inside the EHR. Mm -hmm. So no human has to go back in there and rekey it because then you it's more time, more money, and more error. Mm -hmm. Right, but having to rekey stuff. So, um, you know, one of my one of my pet peeves, my whole career has been, if the data's here, you shouldn't have to rekey it to put it over here. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and, and again, it just frustrates me on to no end this whole process. Yeah, and hospitals all over the country. You know, we have a quality physician that all he does is you know fight is appeal denials. And so we're paying a physician right. to do this, and it's been you know great return on investment, but it's still money right. we have to spend that we shouldn't right. have to spend if it was just right. automated and they you know they followed the the strict order. Right. So, any final thoughts on how it could be you know what's next for the future? Or, you know how can this be further automated? Yeah, I think uh, I think the two seventy eight standard that we talked about earlier is probably mm -hmm. the the most effective way to if if the government can enforce, which is I think the only way it will happen. For yeah. the payers to adopt that that electronic standard, then you get rid of the portals, you get rid of the, um, you know, the fax machines, you even get rid of the RPA, right? It makes it yeah. a lot more efficient, and it's actually beneficial for the payers as much as it is for the providers, because the payers have teams and hordes of sure. people too, answering those calls, answering yeah. those web requests, right, and then processing the decisions. They can still process the decisions. Again, we're not asking them to even. You reduce their requirements by one iota. Mm -hmm. We're just saying, look, let's use a modern, you know, I mean, my goodness, it's, you know, it's 2022, guys, you know, yeah. let's do this electronically, right? So, um, so the other way that I think is exciting to answer your question is to involve the patient, mm -hmm. right, digitally. So patients, you know, incoming scheduled patients that are insured, and you've got, say, three days or five days prior to your service, and you're going through a pre-registration process, if it can be electronic and be a digital front door type situation, yeah. uh, that is not just intake, an opportunity for, for electronic intake, you know, get rid of the clipboard. Mm -hmm. And it's also not, not, an, not limited to just doing engagement, right? Which is text, text messaging, you know, payment, reminders, mm -hmm. you know, all that. There's also an opportunity there to engage them in things like prior authorization, revenue cycle. Sure. Nobody's more motivated to know that their insurance is gonna pay the bill than the patient. Right. Exactly. And so if you if you can text message, alert a patient, hey, did you know a prior office required by your payer for this procedure? We thought you want to know that. Click here to learn more. 
mm -hmm. right? Or click here to connect with your doctor or with the hospital's pre-reg team. And uh, we'll walk you through how to, you know, what's going on. Yeah. And, I mean, if it were me or my parent or my child, I would want to know. And I might want to call the hospital and say, you know what, let's cancel until y'all get that off. Yeah. Because I don't want to get the bill. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. Or I don't want to be prepped for a surgery or procedure and have it canceled that day. Absolutely. To your point, the point of service, point of care, point of service is the worst time to let a patient know that an authorization is required and we don't have it yet. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, Paul, any, any other final words? This has been really fascinating and, and on a topic that a lot of, that causes a lot of frustration for a lot of people. Yeah, I understand. Well, I, I, I think, you know, I'm optimistic about the future. Um, I, I like to believe that the payers are, you know, going to get aligned with the mm -hmm. providers more and more as time goes by. And I hope that CMS and government entities will, will help with that to support that and make this electronic, make this a whole lot easier on providers and ultimately patients. Patients are the, the ones that really get hurt in all this, uh, this mess that we've got going on. Payer complexity makes healthcare so much more difficult than it, uh -huh. than it, it, it could be. So yeah. simplifying it is, is, uh, is one of my, my life goals. So. Well, that's great. Uh, I hope you get it done uh, in both of our lifetimes. Yeah, thank uh, you. <laughs> so, so Paul, you know, how can our listeners learn uh, more about prior auth uh, automation and, and connect with your company? Well, our website's a great place to, to read about it. It's, it's, um, it's accuregsoftware.com, A-C-C-U-R-E-G software.com. Accureg stands for accurate registration, right? Okay. And, uh, and if you go to that website, look for the prior authorization solution page. And uh, there's a nice new video on there that will, will take you through all the steps mm -hmm. that uh, simplifies a very complex process. So that's yeah, a great I had way a to chance to, to take a look at the video. And it really was, it, it, it simplified the entire process. So, so I'm glad you had that up there. Yeah, well, Paul Sharash, the founder and CEO of AccuReg, thanks for being on I Don't Care today. I've really enjoyed talking with you. And, uh, I uh, hope things continue to progress as, as they have so far. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to be with you, Kevin. All right. Enjoy thanks it. so much. Okay. Well, everybody, we, we've wrapped up yet another uh, another show on, here on I Don't Care with me, Kevin Stevenson. You know how to find us. Go to marketscale.com. Uh, look on the healthcare, uh, the healthcare tab or go to Spotify or iTunes. Yeah, I'm out there. You know, I guess I'm big time enough to be on those two platforms. So, you, you know. Why don't you do something for me? If you haven't done it by now, let's do it today. Go and subscribe to I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson. Keep up, uh, keep abreast to uh, all the latest healthcare news. And we even sometimes do th some things outside of healthcare. You never know what we're going to do. So with that, hope to see you again next week. Take care. <music>